Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Happy Father's Day. Today I want to talk about our Heavenly Father's love. And of course it's the love of our Heavenly Father that teaches us as men uh, to seek to love and to be that servant that our family needs, the head of the family. As Christ was the head of the church and died, so also husbands are the head of their families to die, to make that sacrifice, to make their family uh, stays in the faith, to make sure their family is saved the way Christ died for the church to make sure that we're saved. And we're talking about that salvation today. In our text, Galatians chapter 3, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Dear friends of Christ, his name was Richard Phillips. He was serving a lifetime sentence without parole for a murder. He lived in, he, he, he lived in that prison from the age of 26 until he was 62. It was a lifetime sentence without parole. Why was he free? Because they had determined that he had not done the crime. He was innocent. And the judge then proclaimed him innocent and let him walk out. He walked out of those prison gates, not just a free man, but exonerated. Free from blame after 46 years. It's a record for wrongful imprisonment in the United States. 46 years of his life, they gave him uh, several million dollars in recompensation for their mistake. He tried to live as a free man. It wasn't as easy as it sounds. I guess when you've been in prison for 46 years, you get used to being in prison. There were times where he thought, you know, it'd be better and easier just to go back again. Eventually, though, he learned to live as a free man. Well, what happened to Richard Phillips happens to Christians all the time. That's exactly what takes place to the believers. Except instead of being imprisoned for crimes that we've confessed and crimes that we've done, we imprison ourselves to God's holy law. We imprison ourselves to the rules. And we know the rules are there. You read the Old Testament, how God doesn't follow the rules. You read the Old Testament, how God says, I know my people. They worship on the mountains. They worship false gods. That Their, their sin is a, is a stench to my nostrils. They will be punished. And we hear all that, and we think, okay, then we will too. If the unbelievers are going to be punished, and God is going to make sure that that takes place, there's going to be a judgment, then what about me? I'll fall under that judgment too. That's not true. There are two teachings in the Bible, and they're both holy, and they're good. They're both perfect. One is the law. The law shows us our sin. The law condemns us. The law reveals that God's wrath goes against those who go against Him. God's law is very real. You think you can stand in your own holiness? You think you can stand and and disobey the Lord and live? Well, good luck with that. The law says there's not a chance in the world. Not one chance. The gospel, on the other hand sets us free. The gospel is what Jesus has done for us. And the the gospel sets us free from the prison of being condemned. 
Yes, there's God's condemnation. Yes, God says that he will get even. But my people, he says, my people I will pardon. My people I will set free. So if you're set free from sin, why would you ever go back under the law and imprison yourself again? So the gospel shows us salvation. The gospel is what Jesus has done for us. The law is what God expects us to do. What, what God expe- how God expects us to live, how God expects us to behave. And the law is good. And the law is right. And the law is holy. We as Christians need to understand God's law is good. There are blessings who follow it. But the gospel is good too. And the gospel is what Jesus has done for you. The law doesn't offer you salvation. It can't. It has no power to save. It shows you your sin. It shows you your condemnation. The gospel, it saves you. Through the blood of Jesus, you've been declared innocent. You've been forgiven. The gospel shows us what Jesus has done. The gospel saves. The law does not. Got it? The gospel sets us free. The law does not. The law imprisons. There are two doctrines. Both are holy. Both are good. Both are right. But only the gospel can save. So, with that said, our theme. Freed from sin to live for Christ. Freed to live. Well, if you, Jesus said, if you abide in my, in my word, you know the truth. And if you abide in my word, the truth will set you free. Well, the truth is the gospel. The gospel is that part that sets you free. The law won't set you free. The law will put you behind prison, put you behind the bars. The law will show you the punishment, the wrath, the anger of God. And so if you have been set free, if you know the truth, why would you ever put yourself back in prison? If you know the truth that Jesus died for all your sins, why would you put yourself back into prison again? That doesn't make any sense. It would be like Richard Phillips wanting to go back to prison again after being exonerated by a judge after 46 years of wrongful imprisonment. Why would you put yourself back under the law's punishment when the judge set you free? Spiritually, that's what Jesus has done for you. Spiritually, by the blood of Jesus, you have been set free. Free from the curse of the law. The law is righteous and holy. And Jesus came into the world to live under the law so that He, being righteous and holy, could give His righteousness and holiness as a gift to you. That's what happens here on the cross. It's not just Him dying for your sins. He becomes righteous and holy, and then He gives the gift of holiness to you. You're set free. Do you feel righteous? Yeah, probably not. Do you feel holy? Not if you're like me. Especially if you know God's word against those who are unrighteous and unholy. And it's those who are are living under the curse of the law. Putting ourselves back under the burden of the law doesn't make any sense. Why imprison yourself when the judge has declared you innocent? That self-indictment 
self-cursing. It doesn't make sense. And yet that's what the people of God do all the time. Christians confess their sin. We receive absolution. Our sins are forgiven. God forgives our sins. And then we go about our business. And then we think, gosh, you know what? When I die, I sure hope I go to heaven, but I know there's a condemnation. I sure hope I go to heaven, but I know there's a punishment. I sure go to heaven, but I sure know God is angry and mean and, and wrathful. And such an angry God, I hope He can fall on me okay. They forget about all that Jesus has done for them. Why would Christians do that? Forget about the sacrifice. Forget about the love. Forget about the holy living. And then put themselves back under the demands of God's holy law. Feeling then that condemnation. Feeling then that spiritual imprisonment. That's what happened to the Galatian Christians. They had heard the message of the gospel. They had been saved by the message of the gospel. And then they put themselves back under that law again. Hey, you Christians who have been saved by Jesus, you better be good dads. Because if you're not a good dad, he can't love you. Hey, Christians, you better be good followers of Jesus. Better give your money to the church. Because if you're not good Christians, not following, you can't be a Christian. God's not going to love you. Paul pleaded with them, oh, you foolish Galatians, what magical magician has hypnotized you and cast an evil spell on you? For you used to see the meaning of Jesus' death, as clearly as though I had waved a placard before you with a picture of Christ on it, dying on the cross. Why would Christians deny the power of Christ's freeing forgiveness, only to take up the law as a form of salvation? The law can't save sinners. Jesus does. And so Paul pleads them to stay in the freedom of Christ. Live in the freedom of Christ. Life under the law imprisoned us. Paul writes, Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law. Prisoners by the law. Locked up until faith should be revealed. This word locked up, it's that same word that Paul uses in Luke chapter 5 when they're fishing for fish and they cast out the nets and the nets are loaded with fish and they pull the nets in and the fish are locked up. Oh, the fish want out. They're flopping. They're, they want out, but they can't. The fish are locked up. They're trapped in the net. They can't get out. And of course, they're captured and they're cleaned and they're eaten. That's the mental image of trapped. Paul says before salvation, people were locked up, trapped under the law, trapped in their sin. They couldn't get away from the condemnation, and the law tormented them. It should. The law should torment every unbeliever until they come to Christ. It should. That's what the law is there for. And Paul reminds us how he once lived under the law, the judgment of God. And each day he lived with a false hope, thinking, I will just try harder. I will just be a better Jew. I will just live my life for Jesus. And somehow, by my obedience, I will attain, I will climb, and I will get to heaven. Muslims do that every day, same type of thinking. They live every day with a false hope. It's a false hope. It's a lie. With the same false religion. It's called kismet. Kismet is the hope that Allah, who they say is God, 
will be gracious and kind as long as. Kismet, God, Allah, will be gracious to you as long as. Those words as long as are conditional, right? Allah will love you as long as you follow His commandments. Allah will love you if you obey. Allah will hate you and punish you if you don't. That's not Christianity. So Allah's love is conditional, not unconditional. Kismet. Not living by grace. Obey, love, disobey, punishment. That's living in fear. That's living under the law. That's not Christianity. Are you living in kismet? Martin Luther did. Before he came to understand the grace of Jesus Christ, he thought Christianity was like kismet. And Luther lived in fear that God was angry, that God was judgmental, that God was always looking over him, ready to throw lightning bolts. He was tormented, tortured by the law. And he described his lost feeling in his hymn, Dear Christians, One and All Rejoice. Fast bound in Satan's chains I lay, death brooded darkly over me. Sin was my torment, night and day in sin my mother bore me. But daily deeper still I fell, life became a living hell. So firmly sin possessed me. Why would a Christian let sins possess them? When the reality is that we're saved and set free by the blood of Christ. Why would you imprison yourself when you've been set free? Let me illustrate. There was a boy who had a bird in a cage. And that bird was a sparrow flying around the cage trying desperately to get out because a boy, that mean little tyrant, was poking that bird with a stick. A man saw it and went up. And he asked, what's your intentions with that bird? And the boy said, well, I'm going to poke it with this stick. Then I'm going to take it home and I'm going to feed it to my cat. The man asked how much the boy wanted for the bird in the cage. The boy said, 50 bucks, not a penny less. The man pulled out 50 bucks, took the bird and took the cage, opened it up and set the bird free. So do you think the bird flew back? Do you think the bird flew back into its prison to be tormented again? <laughs> Not a chance to get away from that boy. That bird was free. But wouldn't it be strange if that bird did say, you know what, I'm just going to fly back in there. I like the torment. I like to be punished. And then the bird just refuses to go free. Flies back into the gauge to be, to be tormented and, and poked by that mean boy and then fed to the cat and destroyed. You realize that's what Satan wants to do to you? That's the devil right there. And he torments you with God's holy law. He uses God's own word, God's own holy law to torment you. But understand this, God's law is good. God's law is right. God's law is holy. It's what God wants from His people. It's the behavior God expects. The law is good. But Satan twists all that. 
And he does it two ways. Either he twists it by saying, you can't keep the law, or he twists it by saying, you don't have to obey the law. You all Christians, you're set free. There is no sin for you guys. You've been set free. You just go live the way you want to live. All the rest of the world, they're going to be condemned by their unbelief. They're going to be, but you Christians, you live the way you want to live. There's no rules for you. Well, that's a false teaching too. It's called antinomianism. No law. Satan twists all that. He makes you think the law of God is good, that the law of God can save your soul. The law can't save anything. Paul writes, no one can ever be made right in God's sight by doing what the law commands. The more we know of God's laws, the clearer it becomes that we aren't obeying them. God's law serves only. God's law serves only to make us see that we are sinners. The law reveals that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The law reveals all that. So I'll come to Jesus and say, Jesus, please save me. A what? A sinner. The law never forgives. The law never forgets. The law never sets you free. The law never saves you. The law shows you your fault, shows you your mistake, shows you God's condemnation. Yet, understand this, the law is good and the law is holy. And the law is right. That's the confusing part. If God's law is so good and God's law is so holy and God's law is so right, then why can't it save us? Because Jesus does. Jesus is your Savior. And you are saved by grace. That's the gospel. That's the other teaching. What Jesus has done for you. That's a teaching that always trumps the law. What Jesus has done for you always matters more than what you have done or haven't done. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And Satan does not want you keeping your eyes on Jesus. Satan does not want you going to the one who can set you free. He wants to put you back under the tyrant of the law. And so Satan pokes you and prods you just like that mean boy in the cage who pokes and, and prods that bird. He pokes you with the law and he pokes you with the rules that you're not good enough for God's law. And then he has in mind to take you home and eventually destroy you and your soul for all eternity. And he accuses you and he tortures you. And he convinces you, you must do better. You must do better if you have any hope of being saved. That's a satanic lie. Satan loves to change the gospel. You're hearing it in the church. Instead of admitting that Jesus has died to lost to save lost sinners, Satan says, Jesus did his part, and if you don't do your part, you can't go to heaven either. Then the gospel becomes like kismet. Jesus died for your sins. He loves you as long as. God loves you as long as. You love God, He'll love you. You disobey God, God will punish you. That's kismet. It's not Christianity. Our God's love is never conditional. Our God's love is grace. It's always unconditional. You don't deserve the mercy. You don't deserve His love. You don't deserve His salvation. 
And you need to remember that. The only thing the law can do for us is show us how we've failed. It's like a mirror that shows the blemishes of your face, but that mirror has no power to make, take the blemishes away. The law will show you that you don't deserve God's grace, but the law has no power to take the sin away, to remove the curse. Only Jesus can do that. And you live in Jesus Christ. See, you don't have to feel forgiven. You don't even have to feel God. I don't feel like God's with me. So what? I don't feel forgiven. Who cares? I don't see my salvation. You don't need to. The Christian faith is simply believing. Isn't it? You know you're God's child. You know He bled and He died. You know He gave you His righteousness. You're not a child of a tyrant. You're not a child of an abusive father. Your Heavenly Father set you free. Your Heavenly Father has given you Jesus. And Jesus covers your sin with the robe of His righteousness. He's given you His salvation. He's given you holiness. He's made you clean. He's made you perfect. It's called justification. When you were baptized, God gave you Christ. When you were baptized, you put on Christ. Paul writes, you are sons of God through faith in Christ. That's what you are, children of God. Free. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Free. Set free to do what? To sing praises to your God for the salvation that He has given to you. You're free. Free to do what? Live your life in the blessings of Christ Jesus who shows you His holy law so that you can live and please your life. This is what Jesus has done for you. This is the gospel that Christ Jesus died to save you. Paul writes, For you, all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. You are clothed with Christ in baptism. Therefore, Paul says, sin, listen, sin will have no dominion over you. If you've been clothed in Christ, sin has no dominion over you, since you're not under the law, but under grace. But a warning, don't live as people who ignore God's law either. The antinomians, they make the mistake of thinking the law is bad, that the rules of God are bad, that the, rule of God, the rules of God you know, burden us. No, the law is holy, the law is good, the law is right. But the law has limits. The law can't save. The law can't deliver. It shows you what God expects, but it doesn't have the power to save. Jesus does. Jesus does that. Jesus came to claim you as his own. Don't enslave yourself again by the law. Live by grace. Live as a child of God. Live free. Live to serve. Live to be loved. Live to be forgiven. Freed from sin to live for Christ. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.